Welcome to the Guide to Movies podcast with Joe and Sean. I am Joe. He is Sean. We are here for episode 67 of this uh, illustrious endeavor. Sean, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. Um, I did a lot of chores today. Um, that was a real uh, big accomplishment. Um, I there was a uh, you know quite a few mountains of clothes that were uh, racked up on my bed. So you know that was great. Okay, well that's good. Did you reward yourself at all? Uh yes, with pizza. Perfect. Which you know at this point I I don't know if I'm like a child at this point or an old man at this point with those kind of rewards. But either way, I got pizza. So a few weeks back, you mentioned having to like watch what you're eating so that you fit in your tux for your wedding coming up. Uh, how's that going? See, I did very well. I lost about 15 pounds. Holy the problem shit. is, yeah, the problem is I did it way too early. Yeah. And so now, like, in the in the recent weekends, I've been uh, you know complacent to my lifestyle of pre uh, healthy Sean, and you know that that's that's been that's been very difficult. Uh, thankfully, I've only plateaued. I haven't gone back up, but uh, so if I can maintain with maybe a loss like maybe five more pounds, I'll be okay. There you go. Well, that's hey. You're in a good place where you can say I've lost 15 and maybe five would be good. If not, whatever. Yeah, this always happens, though. I always like, you know, I I like have like, you know, one day of eating healthy and I'll drop an insane amount of weight like immediately and then it stops there. (laughs) Yeah, I I totally get that. It's funny. People recently have been like, have you been working out? Like, you're looking really good. I'm like, haven't worked out in quite a long time. Uh, And they're like, are you watching what you're eating? Have you lost weight? I'm like, gained a few pounds, have not watched what I was eating. I'm eating, literally eating garlic bread as we're talking. Um, but thank you. <laughs> Do you think of it? And this is like, you know, I, you know, therapy's on Monday for me, so I shouldn't really get into this now. But <laughs> do you think it's sometimes a conspiracy? Like, I sometimes think when my buddy Matt said, like, you know, hey, you were looking pretty good. I'm like, Sam told you to say that, didn't she? <laughs> like, like, there's like, there's no good like way. I'm, I just always think it's like everybody's like out to, you know, compliment me, which is a weird thing in general. I should be happy about that. Matt's of the homosexual persuasion, though, correct? Matt? Yeah. No, you're thinking of John. Oh, I'm thinking of John. Sorry. That's right. But John and, said something today, too, and I was like, huh. Well, like, number one, you are looking good. Like, I mean, 15 pounds is not anything to scoff, off, to scoff um, at. But the other thing is, like, I feel like gay guys know, like, when you lose, like, mm-hmm. like a quarter of a pound. They're like, oh, wow, look at him. <laughs> I can see he looks that, great. Yeah. He's incredible. Date him. It's, you know, very crazy. <laughs> Anyway, Sean, we have a lot to cover tonight. Um, no, let's keep I'm, talking about weight loss. Okay, let's keep talking about weight loss. Um, <laughs> so, um, when you know, my meals are hard-boiled eggs. Okay, yeah, we can get, let's get into some movie news, huh? Or something. Hard-boiled hard eggs on the pizza? <laughs> Hush. <laughs> when um, when I was younger, my friends and I used to always sing, 1-800-95-JENNY. And then, like, the next year it was 96. one 800 and then I think they just gave up on that when it hit double zeros. <laughs> I was going to say, did they change the number every year? I, I don't know. I think they did, wow. actually, because I remember the commercials. Wow. I'm a big <laughs> jingle person in commercials. Like, one, eight, seven, seven cars for kids. You just, we lost every single one of our <laughs> listeners by just the first stanza of that song. <laughs> I, I it, Listen, like catching music like that will get me. Um, you know, we were talking earlier offline about Halloween, Halloween Kills and the soundtrack for that. And that whole like really gets me every time. It's so good. So as soon as it started in the movie last night, I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. All right. So <laughs> let's start off with uh, some fun stuff. We have the first trailer for Scream 2022 
uh, for cream, if you will. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> um, they said there's a very intentional reason that they're calling it Scream and uh, not with a number in it. They also read an interview today, I believe it was on bloodydisgusting.com, where they said that the trailer is a big misdirect in a lot of ways and that the movie is misdirect after misdirect. So, I mean, I'm hopeful because we'll talk about the trailer afterwards, but uh, mm-hmm, we will <laughs> would love to see something better than what we did. Uh, but anyway, here we go. Let's get into it. This is Scream 2022, the trailer that I was anxiously waiting for, to be honest. Um, but let me make sure the sound is working and we are off. This isn't funny, Amber. Would you like to play a game, Tara? (laughs) Doors unlocked. All doors locked. Doors unlocked. Three attacks so far. Do you have a gun? I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course, I have a gun. This one just feels different. Samantha, I'm. I know who you are. I've been through this a lot. This is your life now, which means that whoever this is is going to keep coming for you. You ready? This? Never. There are certain rules to surviving. The attacks were all on people related to the original killers. Whatever is linked to our past, it's pulled us all back here. And I won't sleep until he's in the ground. All right, Sean, you're up. They want they want they want uh, Ghostface to be Michael Myers, where it's the same guy the whole way through, and that's been literally the magic of Scream is that someone else has been wearing the mask in every movie. What and this makes you one, say that? Well, there's this moment where it's like I won't rest until he's dead in the ground, or it's like this one has a link between all of us, and. There, there's something about that where like I saw that when, the, when I first watched the trailer, I was like, and just especially with Halloween coming out, maybe I was just thinking yeah. about that where it's just like, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis still not over, you know, Michael Myers and wanting to kill him constantly. And, you know, none of them over this, which naturally they won't be. But, you know, it's it's it felt weird. It's like, well, there's nothing really personal about the actual like, you know, murderers and scream because it's someone different every time. What's personal is that mask and that culture that surrounds that mask. And. I think that 
hey, like you said, this trailer is apparently a misdirect. So hopefully they have that wrong. But that's the part that really like got me like very perplexed in the whole thing. So my whole confusion with this is that there's not it, it plays it very safe. So my analysis of that is two things. One is um, it's a miss. The second is it's intentional. And I feel like it's intentional. It's to get you back into like the ghost spaces here. You never know what's going to happen. What's going on? Um, I will say that at the beginning of this trailer, there's two things that happen. One is that he, when the door opens, he just slashes that girl a little bit in the <laughs> chest or I mean in the stomach, which is kind of weird for Ghostface. He's a stabber, not a slasher like that. Um, and then also there are, there's another one where like he pops up around her and kind of just pushes her to the floor or whatnot instead of actually doing anything. Um, so I feel like that's, there's more to the story there. Um, obviously there's more to the story. Apparently they have four different scripts going for the movie, um, <laughs> which I, I love that. I yep. love when movies do that. Um, but I just, I guess I wanted more. I watched it yesterday morning and just kind of groaned at the end of it. Cause I'm like, this just seems like more of the same. Um, and when you have new screenwriters coming in and they're touting it as like, the scream for current day and it's going to launch it into a new, you know, direction or whatnot. Show me that. And you didn't show me that. Here's like a theory I've just been thinking of. And kind of this trailer makes me really think of it. Um, do our typical characters make it like past like 10, 15, 20 minutes? I would love that. If they kill them off be right away. Amazing. First of all, they don't show Jack Quaid at all in this trailer or several other of the uh, there's another victim. Oh, I can't remember her name. She's they a great show actress, Jack Quaid. He's in there. Like brief, very briefly yeah. though. I saw him for a second. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that they cast this guy in there with it. You know, let's face it, everybody kind of knows because of the boys. I mean, so like, why won't you capitalize on showing that younger cast? And also Dylan Minnette from um, 13 Reasons Why. I mean, he's well oh. known for that. Um, and the other guy, I can't remember the African-American guy. Um, he's, oh my gosh, what was he? Was he in 13 Reasons Why? He might have been. I, I crapped out on that one after one season. Which, oh God, you know, I love that. Um, um, yeah, that's going to... Actually, that's going to drive me a little crazy, so I'm going to look that up while we're talking. But I, I mean, I'm hopeful for it. I said this online. I'm very hopeful for it because I love the Scream series. I uh, just hope that it's not much ado about nothing. Yeah, it's uh, one of those things. So Mikey Madison is another uh, uh, face I recognize there. She was also she was in Better Things and uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as one of the Manson girls. Um, so I'm really looking forward to uh, what, you know, because she has, I think, a very promising career coming up. But I really want this to be well. I'm rooting for it full on. What do you got for Discovery? Mason Gooding was the guy from Love, Victor. That's what I was thinking of. He's the black guy. He's from Love, Love Victor. Oh, uh, really like him. Good actor. Yes. Um, he was also in Booksmart. The other one, I saw her and I couldn't picture where I knew her from. And I feel so embarrassed about this. It's Melissa Barrera from In the Heights. Oh my God. This cast is great. It's and they are not showing that. <laughs> she was in this preview, but um, very briefly. And then remember, too, Marley Shelton's back as De uh, Deputy Judy from the previous movies. So there are some connections that they're making. Um, I, I don't know. I'm a little concerned only because we, Halloween 2018, I really liked. I liked how they brought that into 
the world, you know, the modern world and made it a good story and kind of ignored some of the stuff that didn't work. Um, not to get into it too much. Halloween kills a lot of fun, had a good time with it. Um, story like could have done without. So I just hope that this is not another, like we're just doing it for the fuck of doing it because Ghostface is iconic, do something different with him. And I'm not seeing anything different in here uh, so far, but I'm ready to be uh, surprised. Yeah, no, I've, I've got, I've got, I still have a cautious optimism, but not from this trailer. I know. Uh, apparently, according to the interview I saw on Bloody Disgusting with the writers, there's they're very excited about the marketing campaign and the misdirects and all this stuff that are coming up. So, like, maybe this is the start of just learning more about what this movie is actually going to be about. But they're literally saying misdirects, and it starred the original people for most of the trailer. Yet they have a very solid cast. I, this, this looks like they're all going out. Like those those classic characters are going out, and they're going out quick. I, got, I will say that Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette look really good in this movie. They do look good. <laughs> look really good. Except, this is going to be really rude to say, Courtney Cox kind of has that, like, um, I was going to call it meth mouth, but it's a little bit more of, like, uh, <laughs> like her Botox wore off halfway through. Sc- like uh, it, it just looks weird. But um, I'm excited for it. Uh, hey, we'll see what happens. Let's dive into what we've been watching. We got to talk about No Time to Die. We weren't able to do a spoiler pod last week, but we both saw it. Um, and both, I think, were mm-hmm. positive on it, but definitely have some discussion. Um, I I really enjoyed this. I thought that it was a movie that really grounded uh, Daniel Craig's 007 and gave him more of an emotional arc than I was used to in previous films. Um, but I will say that I think I texted you this at one point. The movie was Superman Returns. It was very much like we're going to create a new world and all of a spoiler, you have a son and, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? Oh, you're going to, spoiler, die. <laughs> like, um, it, uh, but I was fine with it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the action. I was a little frustrated um, at some of the arcs that they took. So number one, I did enjoy the Jeffrey Wright piece of it. Kind of figured yes. that was going to happen. Uh, but he was an emotional, emotional core of the film that I think helped drive the direction they were going early on because that scene did happen very early on. Um, the person that I was really disappointed in, in terms of the amount of time that she was on screen, was Anna de Armas. Yeah. She was really pitched as like she's going to be the Bond girl, so to speak, and we we're all used to Bond girls, but she was barely in it. I mean, it was such a short-lived what, 20 minutes, if that? Yeah, you uh, forgot about her. I mean, totally forgot about her. And I didn't recognize her at first, to be honest. <laughs> um, but I did love Lashana Lynch in her role. They play with 007, like the agent title a little bit that uh, I think it's a little tongue-in-cheek as well um, in terms of how people have been debating who the next 007 will be. Uh, that was a fun way to kind of wade into those waters. Uh, it's and just Ram- a number, yeah. It's just a number. And Ram... <laughs> Rami Malek was also, um, I liked him. I thought he was really good in this. I don't know that he was as influential as I would expect the final big bad to be in a James Bond movie where he's going out. But um, I had a really good time with it. I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I will say, you know, I mean, when it's a two hour, 43 minute movie, it better entertain you. And this movie did entertain the whole way through. Um, yeah, in terms of uh, like the, 
like what basically what you commented on. I mean, the bond having an emotional arc was pretty solid, but they've done that before and it doesn't work, especially in the Craig bonds. They've tried to like, really like, you know, have him like, you know, not let go of the past in this one. It works very well. And I think it's because Craig went for it. Um, he was not playing it cool. He was playing it genuinely emotional most of the time. He was haunted by his past. I, I really did like love what he did with it. It was way more of an expressive character that he gave than what the typical like Bond is allowed to do, if we want to call it allowed to do. Um, I will say, uh, you know, with that long runtime, it's tricky that you know pretty much uh, Rami Malek and uh, you know Daniel Craig don't have a face off until like you know the last boy like hour 45 minutes something like that and you know by then there's really no personal interaction with them which it's just even if there's no personal interaction there should be a dance around them around each other and there was nothing there so when they like you know faced off in that building i was like i don't i don't really care about either of these two people like or i don't care about their relationship with one another um i think what this movie did which was very impressive was it kept the classic bond stuff that we love and it put new original fresh takes on a lot of it. I mean, there's some stuff that is that they did in this Bond movie that is taboo to do. Like you said, and we'll do the spoiler again right here. Like they, they killed James Bond. Um, they had a, um, you know, a black woman replace him as 007. Um, they have like, you know, him falling in love, him not letting go of girls from previous movies. And all of those are things that have been done in the past. But now when we look at it, it works in this one because it gives us shaken not stirred without it being a big deal bond james bond has done a little cheekily and then done very well at the uh, in the last moment um <laughs> you have like you know a bond girl that kicks ass with you know Ana de armas who yeah I, I unfortunately the first time i saw it i blinked and i missed her but um you know it was just a, like she was also great action and a lot of fun um i think you know for the majority of this it was really solid i just do feel like you felt the length um, and that was maybe my largest issue. Um, it, it's tricky with the Craig Bonds because, you know, I've had a weird relationship with the Daniel Craig Bonds. Five movies, two of them I consider to be two of the best Bond films, um, and two of them are pretty damn low on the list. Um, of course, I'm talking Casino Royale and, uh, uh, excuse me, Skyfall uh, are like the best ones I love. And I'm just not a fan of quantum of solace and spectra, even though spectra does have its moments. Um, I think that they really tried to pack so much into this cause they wanted to just tie up every possible loose end. Cause they knew this was going to be his last moment. And I mean, good. You, you did it. You, you like, but there's just like these moments where like at the end of it, I walked out of the theater. And I was like, Oh yeah, Felix. And I was just like, the fact that I can't remember things from the beginning is, you know, that, that that's a good sign. That means there was a lot of entertainment and it like kept me like interested in stuff, but that shows that, you know, this could have almost been, this is a dumb thing to say. I'm saying it kind of as like, uh, like, kind of in a humorous fashion this almost could have been a mini series oh <laughs> no it would not have been it's that that's that's dumb don't do it but obviously i felt it felt like it had that sort of structure with the axe where it's Wait, so like, you, you didn't remember felix or like it was kind no, of a it, it was one of those things where i was just like oh yeah like the felix thing happened oh no sorry what i'm saying is like when it ended I forgot about like the emotional oh, 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 stuff gotcha, that gotcha, happened gotcha, with Felix gotcha. because it just happened, you know, so much earlier and so much went by. Yeah. But, Oh God, I how could you ever forget Felix? Jeffrey, right? Jeffrey writes so Felix. Good. Ooh, so good. See, I got to disagree with you a little bit. Cause this is the first 
Daniel Craig Bond movie that I felt that emotional connection to. And I think part of it was because of them starting off with the Jeffrey Wright piece so early. I mean, that's what, 45 minutes in? Um, if I, I'm making that up because when you're in a two and a half hour movie, you have no idea where, what time means. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that piece of it. And I thought that they set that film on a different direction that I would not have expected. And I was worried that we were going to get more of the same bond, right? Like it's always the blustery, like let's send them out on top, but he didn't, I don't know that he went out on top here. He kind of, he went out emotionally connected, scarred, loose ends yeah um and that's different for this character which you said i'm so used to the older bond films that each one felt like its own thing its own chapter without too much of a connection to the past you knew certain things were going to be there right you knew that there was going to be a felix-esque character you knew that you might get a callback to an older villain you knew that you were going to have a bond girl you knew you were going to have m and q and gadgets and all that stuff and money penny um, and you definitely get that here. I was very impressed with how they were able to bring the story together and send it off in a really com- uh, compact isn't the right word, uh, in a well-executed way. Um, it didn't feel long to me, to be honest. I I felt like it delivered really well, given its time frame. The part that did feel long was like the last 25 minutes or so where he's like running through the quote-unquote silos or whatever you want to call them um, before he gets to the top. I was like, all right, just just do it. Like, we know what's happening. Cut that out. Um, but That was yeah. like, that, that was the moment where it was like, it was literally the GoldenEye video game where he's yes. picking up guns. And uh, I was just like, all right, this is a cool tribute, but let's move on. I should I should correct myself. I, I loved that like it kind of this movie sort of started off with the Felix scenes. Because that's kind of how he gets back. And he gets back by sort of going in a way against Britain, which is like a fat, like there, there's there's some layers you can unpack there. Um, but um, I love that. I'm saying that pretty much because so much was packed into this, that I just sort of like would forget the beginning scenes yeah. and the beginning moments. And, you know, that that was the like main issue I have, which, you know, hey, it's it's a long it's it's a you know, I'm not saying this is a negative. It is literally time wise a long movie. And so there's a lot in there. There's a lot of entertaining moments, suspenseful moments, exciting moments. And so then, like, you know, there, there's bound to be stuff that I forget about. And I think if they were a little bit economical, like, you know, it would be I'd be able to, you know, know, uh, like I'd, I'd be able to exp- or remember the experiences more. Now, sure. what would I cut out? I have no freaking idea. <laughs> like, so I'm not helpful at all. No constructive criticism here. But that's. <laughs> Would you agree that they did they did a good job of wrapping up both the Daniel Craig Bond as well as the storyline? Oh hell yes! Oh god yes! Like this was a great way to because this was something where when Spectra was happening, that was my main issue with Spectra is when they're like you know he's running through the building with the wires and he's like here's all the women in your life including M and I was like oh Jesus Christ what the hell is this? <laughs> so so like it was just one of those things where it's like should we be connecting these bonds? Like should we like be like you know it was a new thing with the Craig Bonds they decided to connect everything and I think in this one it worked very well and they ended it very well. And so now we have to wonder, and this is a good question I'm going to like bring to you now. Uh, does does uh, Ray Fiennes come back as M? Does Ben Wishaw come back as Q? And then, I mean, the, the largest question is Lashana Lynch, but that's a huge one. Or uh, Naomi Harris is Moneypenny. I mean, these are the side characters, and they've been known to come back for other Bonds. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. 
honestly? That's a great question. I think that's the larger debate that's happening right now is what direction are they going in? We talked about this last week or the week before, but I think it was Barbara Broccoli. I have to mention her name because I love the name. Um, the producer of Bond, longtime producer, said that they haven't even they haven't had any discussions about what's going to happen next. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I two thoughts. One is that we are in a world of miniseries, and I wonder if they're setting up Lashana Lynch for a miniseries of some sort with Bond. I really liked her in that 007 role. Spoiler. Really good. Um, she was really good in that. She played off of him really well. Um, I have to sneeze, so I'm going to mute real quick. Hold on. We're good. Anyway, moving on. Um, I do think I subscribe to the idea that they are probably going to explore the earlier days of Bond moving forward. I think it's time to do that. We haven't necessarily seen a younger Bond, how he becomes a double O, all that stuff, um, in decades, if ever really well, i mean craig like you know casino royale he becomes a double o like you know in that first scene but yeah, he's also but, old but he's all, right and so that's why i'm thinking like i mean this is going to lead into my number one pick to play him um but you know thinking of like a richard madden back in the 60s or 70s or that something would be like so that. good you know, that be would be so incredible. good um so I, I guess that's where i'm hoping they go with it because if they're just going to recycle the bond stories and uh, throw another male into the role where he's doing the same shit we've seen with all the actors that have come before. I don't know if that's the direction they want to go. It's time to take some some chances. I don't think they're going to go too crazy. Uh, and when I say too crazy, I unfortunately mean bucking the trend of a male in the role. Yes. Um, Idris Elba's already said like he's not part of it. I don't necessarily 100% believe that because how many times I, have we seen that in the past? Well, That's true. But like I, I, I put myself in his shoes right now. He's probably like, I'm famous. People yeah, like me. I don't I'm not going to do this. <laughs> I said 100%. That doesn't mean I'm not at 99%. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I do think there's some other ways that they can go. And I do believe that they want to look at how they can expand the property. Remember that 007 is now part of uh, and MGM is now part of Amazon. So Amazon's going to want to milk this. They're going to want to play with the property as much as they can. And I do think that there is an opportunity there to maybe explore like how Q got his start. You know, those different angles uh, of the story that we're always so used to uh, or always have been so used to and take it in a different direction. I don't, I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> I love the idea of Q like getting his start where he's just like a well-behaved student that does well in like, you know, science classes <laughs> and, then, and then like, oh, no, then I'm going to just like, make gadgets. <laughs> I did enjoy there's a part of the movie where uh, Ralph Fiennes' M is talking to uh, Daniel Craig's Bond and he says something like, um, my people, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, your people or whatever. And he goes, he says, like, fucking hell or something like that. <laughs> I, love, I thought that was a great interaction. <laughs> it was like, that, that's, that's the other thing I want to talk about this with. And that's like the classic Bond stuff. It's not just the lines and the one-liners, which were corny and they're, they, they're supposed to be. And that was great. But the characters were great. Like this is exactly what Q is supposed to be. It's exactly what Moneypenny is supposed to be. Yep. It's exactly what M is supposed to be. Ray Fiennes nailed the M character to a T. I mean, we've been, we, we grew up with Judy Dench as M. 
which was a Absolutely. very different M than the classic Bonds. And, you know, a very awesome M, don't get me wrong, but a very different M than the classic Bonds. And it's just like all of a sudden we get the male M back, and it was just like this, like, someone who's a lot more <laughs> insecure <laughs> with, this, with this position. And it was so great to watch. <laughs> yeah, it was really entertaining. He felt threatened all, all the time. Like, he didn't know what was going on, and... Um, I don't know. I thought that was really funny. Money Penny, I loved in this. Naomi Harris is Money Penny. She's a solid character. But hopefully now you understand what I was talking about last week or the week before. I saw Venom two hours after I saw this. And I'm like, she was so good in No Time to Die. And then I saw Venom, Let There Be Carnage, where she just, her, it's not her fault. The character was just poorly written and unnecessary. <laughs> Somebody called this out on a podcast where just realizing Naomi Harris in Venom dies like Ernesto de la Cruz in Coco. <laughs> and <laughs> after I heard that, I was like, oh, I want to see Venom again just to make fun of my God. that part of the movie. <laughs> God, that's that's a really good observation. <laughs> like, how do you think of that? That's great. Absolutely insane. Um, all right. So No Time to Die, solid movie all around. Mm -hmm. Really liked how they sent him out. Interested to see what they do coming up, though. I don't think it's going to be six months to a year before we hear anything. I think we're going to get some news. Ugh, I really don't want that. They really should take more time. Uh, like, this is something where, you know, give give it a year for an announcement or something. I'm trying to think of when the announcement, not, not when the movie came out, but when the announcement was for Craig versus when Die Another Day came out. Now, that was very different because Die Another Day wasn't exactly the greatest send-off for Pierce Brosnan. But <laughs> like, I'm trying to wonder, like, how long in between those two were. And um, I, I think it had to be a couple of years, I think. But, but I hey, hope that's uh, three snaps for Daniel Craig, who finally got out of the role that he's been wanting out of for four years. <laughs> <laughs> he kept saying, like, I can't wait to be done. I, and Poor bastard had to do two press tours. <laughs> you said, and he had the time of his life. He seemed so happy. I've never seen the man so happy. Oh, my um, God. He's, just, he's great. <laughs> he was talking about Knives Out 2 recently. He's like, yeah, we just finished it. Loved it. Had a great time. It was so different than the first part. Think people I'll do five it. of those movies. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you said it right. Like, I think he regretted what he had said in the past about Bond and whatnot. Um, but it is nice. I do feel like sometimes when they're when actors are offered these big roles or are have the opportunity for them, I'm thinking about an interview with Timothy Chalamet or someone recently I was talking about Timothy Chalamet where he said he received some advice. One was, I forget what the first part was, but the second was no superhero movies. <laughs> and it's good it, advice. Honestly, it's good advice. It really is. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're up and coming and you have that across the table, I get why you would sign the contract. But other than that, it's sort of like, you know, Hey, like Chalamet, especially he's, oh, well, he did Wonka, which is that a superhero movie, I guess, but you know, <laughs> Hey, but did you see some of those other uh, behind-the-scenes shots that are coming out of him, like filming musical scenes and stuff? I'm I'm actually very intrigued. Well, we didn't talk about it, and now we're going off a tangent, but I'm okay with it. But we didn't talk about that cast, like, blew up all of a sudden. Where it's like, well, what's Coleman doing? Where she's just showing up in Marvel shows, and she's showing up in Wonka movies. That's a very good transition, if you will allow me to do this, because do Coleman is in Ron Goes Wrong, or Ron's Gone Wrong, or whatever the fuck it was called. Of course she She loves the animated technology movies. Yeah, she plays like a Yugoslavian, and this is, I don't mean this, I don't mean this in a rude way, they're never very clear about the culture. I believe it's Yugoslavian, but it's a Yugoslavian grandmother, 
So if you watch the screen, the uh, the trailer, you'll see that there's all, there are all these scenes with this larger grandmother who is cracking jokes. There's like sword, uh, swords. There's knives and stuff going like flying by her head. All that stuff. It's Olivia Coleman. Had no idea until after the the movie and the credits were rolling. Um, let's dive into what we were watching though, and I'm going to start with Ron Goes Wrong. Ron Goes Wrong is an adorable movie. It's really good in a lot of ways. Um, pretty entertaining. It once again taps into the whole like what's going on with technology and how is technology influencing the world. It takes a different spin on it. It focuses more on how technology can help us connect with others. And then the villain is the one that's like, no, it's like technology is keeping you to yourself because when you connect with other people, problems have like all kinds of weird stuff. It's a really good movie, but I alluded to this in my review and also uh, I think texted you about it. There is a really inappropriate joke in the middle of this movie that I will never let go of. And I, to the point where I had to ask the, the representative from uh, the, the publicist afterwards if, I'm, if I was wrong in what I saw. But essentially, and I'm gonna, this is a bit of a spoiler potentially, but you see it in the commercial where uh, Ron is going around, the little bot is going around and he's trying to make friends with people and he's like slapping post-its on people and is like, friend request, friend request, or, you know, like comment on this picture. Well, he shows that the neighbor commented on the picture and says, and he left something on the picture. And there's a little outline of some sort of residue, mm -hmm, if you will. And you're, it's a picture of a young teenage, middle school, whatever, boy. I was appalled. I literally, I was sitting there like, did anyone else see that? It was bonkers to me. Um, and I have no idea how that made it through editing. I have no idea how that felt right to include. I'm Here's what I'm hoping, and I'm willing to say this. I hope I misheard it. I hope that it was, it was just interpreted wrong. But again, I did ask someone afterwards and <laughs> her response was, oh yeah, that was really wrong. Like that, or that was, I forget what she said specifically, but yeah, essentially like, oh yeah, that was rough. So <laughs> that's the publicist. <laughs> yeah. It was, it, it, uh, it was really, really odd. Everything else, it's an adorable movie. It is very um, uh, a welcomed new company on the scene of animation. They don't really do much in terms of revolutionizing what you're seeing. Uh, you do feel like you're watching like a lower level Mitchell's versus the mach machines a lot, but um, I did enjoy it. It was it was a fine movie. The Last Duel, uh, Jodie Comer, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Adam Driver, really enjoyed this movie. Very different movie, very um, different structure for especially a Ridley Scott film. Um, I think people are going to be turned off a little bit by the beginning of the movie because it is a little convoluted and crazy. But my pitch to everyone will be just get through that first part because it levels out and it really redeems itself. Um, Adam Driver is phenomenal in it. And Matt Damon, even though he looks like he, or not Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, even though he looks like he has, um, you know, Dear Evan Hansen makeup on, he is very good and very entertaining in this movie. Very surprising. Jodie Comer is phenomenal. It is such a different type of film, 
the final battle in the movie is just off the off the chains. It is so engrossing and entertaining and violent, um, but it really shows a different side of Adam Driver and Matt Damon in this hand to hand combat with swords and you know all kinds of shit. It was it was really good. It, it was a surprise for me. Nice. That is like quite. I'm I'm still very excited to see that one because I know that that one has gotten like weird press involved and i'm 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 willing to shake that one off and just sort of just sort of watch it freehand because i i don't know i'm sick of the weird press surrounding movies and i just want to watch them clean (laughs) so you had brought that up it was about jodie comer and her characters um Mm -hmm. the way they handled her story yeah i i see where they're coming from i would also remind people that this is in a way a period piece and it is a it's it's not reflective of movements today but a snapshot in time because this is based on a true story um that's all i'll say about that and we can talk about it after you see it because yeah yeah i'll probably see it this weekend it's i definitely caught that i I get what people were saying i i wrestled with it a lot but i was happy with how they resolved it um the other movie to talk about real quick is titan i saw it okay let's you so (laughs) (laughs) you still haven't put out a review so i'm scared um <laughs> you notice that eh? it's come it's coming out tomorrow is it gonna come out tomorrow okay yeah. you know what i, I want i want to find out through that like because <laughs> because all you've told me is uh you you gave me a good three-word review of what the fuck and so, <laughs> like, i'm very curious to see what you have to say about this one we should mention that this is uh france's uh <laughs> nomination or in uh offering for the oscars (laughs) i cannot believe france is submitting this for their best international film for the oscars this is amazing this is truly amazing the only thing i'll say about it right now is that it was it's a very intriguing movie Mm and from beginning to end and the performances are phenomenal um it is (laughs) (laughs) it's a very fucked up movie um (laughs) And it fucked up. <laughs> like when it end when it ended, I I turned to the seats next to me. They were empty, mind you. I was in a theater by myself watching this. Um, no shit. End, and, <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, Any, anyone? <laughs> um, I got I got back to my parents' house because I was staying with them for a couple of days, and <laughs> my mom goes, "What was that movie about?" I said, "I don't, I don't know." <laughs> um. No, it's a very good movie. It's a very favorable rating. Um, Very much enjoyed that experience. That director, and help me with her name, because I'm going to... I can't remember, but I know know she did Raw. Yeah, she is... She's a warped mind. Yes. But a very... (laughs) She's very good at putting that warped mind and the story that comes out of it on screen and making it something that you cannot turn away from. It's it's unbelievable. Like some of the like the, I, I, saying director tricks makes it sound cheap, but um, the firefighter party where it's just like it's it seems like they're at a strip club, and then it's just a bunch of male firefighters dancing, and then they have her dance, and then they do that for I mean a good five minutes. Five minutes. <laughs> it's just like you are vicious. I mean, if this were no time to die, we would have hit the three hour mark. It is. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the, the craziest part about that is it's so late in the movie. It's so late in the movie. 
Like, oh my god! There's so many weird, weird choices that worked, and I think that's what's wild about it. And I understand why it's getting the the publicity that it is and the recognition yeah. that it is. It is it is unbelievable, and I want to see the um, the French film that lost out, uh, or there's several French films, of course, but one of them is the director that did Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which you know that one also lost out to the French selection, which still is pretty damn unforgivable. But um, like the, that director, oh, man, I, I hate that I don't know names off the top of my head, but um, but uh, that director uh, definitely deserves credit eventually. Um, but uh, it, it's uh, yeah, it, it's really tricky that it is something that's just such a beautiful film. That's like this beautiful story of like, you know, like gender dynamics and grieving and, you know, sociopathic nature. And then also there's some stuff in there. That's a B plot that is impossible to even fathom. I, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And there's, <laughs> <laughs> it takes until like three quarters of the way through the movie where you're like, did she just, is she? Oh, she is. <laughs> but then, the, 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 like, you know, I, I'm, I'm there. I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, are they gonna go back to the cars? Like, wait, no. Oh, oh, no. This no, is now no. just this movie. Now, this is this movie. The turn is unbelievable when it happens. I will say, I think Titan. Oh, this might not be a great comment, but I'm gonna make it anyway. Good. I think this is the type of movie that represents why the general public hates critics a lot. Yep. Because you look in a movie like this, and you're like. Oh, but it's this is what it's trying to say. And this is what the themes are. And this is what's below the surface. And you're like, no, she's fucking cars. Like, yeah. that's what she's doing. It, it's one of those things where, like, you know, I, I said this last week with it, but um, I would never, like, I love yeah, right. Titane. I would never recommend it to my parents, my, like, family, my, like, you know, my future wife. <laughs> like, if I took her to that movie, she would have been furious with me. <laughs> she would have ended math teacher movies. <laughs> He would have somehow taken it out. Um, but it's one of those things. Yeah, I can't recommend it to my friends. Like, there's a few friends that I have that are like crazy movie people as well. But for the most part, it's, you know, to, meanwhile, like something like Coda, which also gets good reviews, by the way. So we can't say this or that about critics. But like, you know, something like Coda is going to appeal to all the masses. But, yeah. you know, we'll see. It's funny. I posted right after that movie when I saw Tatane. I said, uh, what did I just watch? And multiple responses were like, fucked up, right? Crazy, right? Isn't it great? Isn't it like, that was all the response I got from friends of ours. I'm like, yeah, I have no idea what I just watched. That's about right. Um, all right. Hit us with what you've been watching because you, sir, are diving into some of the horror movies that you have neglected over the years. Well, it's interesting you say that because I did just change the list, but it still works for horror movies. Um, I will say uh, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I just so, saw the outline. <laughs> <laughs> I realized I watched that, so I want to talk about it um, because it was at the Venice Film Festival anyway, so it's kind of a movie. Um, I'm talking, of course, of scenes from a marriage. Now, I'm trying to think of the uh, worst thing, the absolute worst thing you could watch a month and a half out from your wedding. And it probably is scenes from a marriage. This is a five-episode limited series with Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain, uh, which chronicles different portions of uh, their life during a failing marriage. Um, it is... Some people have criticized this as saying, well, this is just a masterclass in acting with Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. I'm like, I fail to see what's bad about that. I fail to see the, the issue with that. 
Um, this was made in the pandemic, so it is just the two of them acting off of each other in every single episode in one setting. And those are, and it does that every single time. Every episode's about an hour long, and they go by like nothing because the dialogue that they have, which is incredibly naturalistic, goes like nothing. The um, you know, the amazing like blocking that they have there, the way these are directed, and like you're just feeling like improper as you're going in there, and like the the sound and everything is just like some of the most uh, intense you feel sometimes. And it's weird to talk about the sound in a limited series like Scenes from a Marriage, but there's moments where it just viscerally hits you. Um, this is something where obviously their relationship is dysfunctional, their marriage is crumbling, and it's devastating to see that. But then in every one of these, or almost in every one of these episodes, you do see the sort of love between them. And you see that, like, sometimes it's not lost. And sometimes there is a passion there. And so this isn't just simply, you know, I mean, granted, I loved Marriage Story. This isn't simply Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson screaming at each other. But this is, you know, the two of them, you know, like, just after deciding that she's going to leave, uh, Chastain, you know, cuddles Isaac before they go to bed. And it's just these most tender moments that are captured here. You know, this is five episodes that are not an easy watch. Um, not an easy watch at all. But I won't lie this is this was some emotional beautiful like filmmaking acting and you know just in general writing that uh you know i got the pleasure of seeing i know it's not it's not it's not in the zeitgeist right now because most people are like watching some other tv shows or some other movies and everything like that and those are all great ones as well but this is something that i think deserves quite a bit more attention than it's getting i Honestly, have not heard much about it other or don't know much about it other than hearing the title and hearing who was involved. Um, I was a big I, this sounds really terrible, but I'm going to put it this way. I love stories about marriages falling apart. I think they're so real because they tackle things that people and couples go through on a regular basis. Um, so that's why I love marriage story. And I would I kind of am very in, intrigued to see this i kind of am very intrigued Catch you that. would like this a lot yeah, that, that sentence um you got it yeah i do i do want to see what this is all about because i've heard that it is a tough watch but i heard that it's a really rewarding watch and like you said that the performances are fantastic um both great actors so yeah quite worth it and you know just to go back on it i watched halloween 2018 very excited for halloween kills you know we talked about it a little bit Alrighty, but I thought it was a very cool update. Um, they involved uh, podcasters, which is you know just great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they get murdered immediately, which sounds quite accurate. Um, but no, hoping for hoping for a great Halloween kills time. Hopefully, it's on Peacock tomorrow. You think it's going to come out tomorrow night? Well, it's coming out tomorrow night in theaters, but I can't make it to the theaters in time. So I hope I could just be able to watch it on Peacock, but I will say I very much enjoyed watching it with a group of people. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Oh, I know it would be better, yeah. It was the public screening, so it was a lot of like uh, radio winners and stuff, and it was it was a good time because, like, don't go over there! What are you <laughs> doing? Run! Kill him! All that stuff. Um, before we go to break, I just want to mention that the Saul uh, Twitter account is teasing something for October 26th, saying something horrifying is headed your way. So, uh, don't know what that would be, but hey. Another sequel! All tens in the works. All right, let's take a break. Hey, 
Hey everyone, it's Sean from Math Teacher Movies, and I'm here to talk about my weekly column at GuyAtTheMovies.com, Awards Watch with Math Teacher Movies. Each week I go deep into a topic about the Oscars or Emmys, whether it be from the past, present, or future. Read these columns every Monday on GuyAtTheMovies.com to know way too much about awards. The following column has not yet won any awards, nor will it help you win any awards, but this has not stopped it from still being a totally awesome column. And we're back. All right, so we are going to dive into something goofy this week, but we talked a little bit about the What If series, uh, at least season one ending last week, and we know that we're at least getting a Gamora episode in season two. Uh, The other rumors are that we're going to be diving into Ten Rings, as well as uh, some other uh, more modern... More modern? Is that the way to say it when it's only the past year? Moderner. 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 More... Time, time sensitive isn't even the right word. More recent uh, additions to the MCU in What If season two. I thought it would be fun if we did some pitches for What If season two. Um, should we draw straws and who goes first at this? We we are uh, several miles away. Fair. Um, what or, or did I just shatter the notion of us being not in the same podcast studio? Well, anyone that is watching us on YouTube will see that um <laughs> that's true <laughs> uh why don't you give us your goofy one because you said you had a goofy one well I, I, you know goofy in the sense that this is actually a real world one it has nothing to do with comic book characters but i thought of it like this morning and i was just like um you know after listening to like my eighth football podcast i was like what if tom brady actually did fumble that ball in the raiders game uh during the uh playoffs lost that game and never went to the super bowl and won the super bowl that first time and like what kind of calamity would that have caused the NFL? There'd probably be a situation where there'd be like, you know, more dominant quarterbacks, made several different ones. And, you know, then also like, you know, Peyton Manning might have become the actual Tom Brady and then everyone would have hated Peyton Manning instead. Um, and, you know, I, I just, you know, that's what I really thought. Bledsoe would have come back probably. Um, so that was that was my what if episode. It, it had to do with football more than Marvel, which. I'm sure our Marvel fans will love. Did you take a more like real world approach to these or? I mean that one. I have the uh, other one, which is more comic books. Oh yeah. God. I was like, oh man. <laughs> All right. I'm going to hit you with mine. Go. It is ridiculous. It is very stupid. And there's probably holes in it. But here we go. What if MJ and Ned were killed by Mysterio using Stark Industries weapons? And upset and vulnerable, Spider-Man denounces Tony Stark and partners with Mysterio using the Iron Suit after Valentigra Allegra de Fontaine talks to him and explains how he can get his friend and love back. Filled with angst and aided by a possessed Wong, he convinces Doctor Strange, who has been out of the loop, to give him one last moment with MJ. Instead, the multiverse is opened. Directed by Dave Fontaine, U.S. agent has kidnapped Wanda's kids, who were located thanks to Agatha's help. She also took care of Wong. Mysterio makes it seem like the kids are fine to Peter, but shows Wanda a reality where the Avengers have taken them to use as leverage with her. Spider-Man then teams with Vulture, Green Goblin, Electro, Mysterio, Rhino, Sandman, U.S. agent, and Yelena, 
to take on the Avengers, led by Sam Wilson and accompanied by Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man characters. White Vision shows up and attempts to clear it all up, but Wanda destroys him. She then, then destroys the Avengers before Agatha, who has been feeding off of the chaos magic, kills her. Evil wins. So I've got to ask something. Um, did you uh, think of that after thinking of let's do like our own what ifs? I or did you? I did. Okay, because <laughs> otherwise that's incredibly unfair. <laughs> no, I really did. I thought of that afterwards. I sort of. <laughs> and when I say afterwards, I mean I finished it a half hour ago, forty-five minutes ago. You finished it a half hour ago? <laughs> I really did. I was struggling. Struggling? This look like struggling. I think it's Just, good. Yeah, no, it's very good. Are you are you freaking kidding me? What am I supposed to do? I made a Brady joke. My next one's gonna genuinely suck. It's literally two lines long. Like, oh my god, you literally just like might have actually solved the holes of the Marvel universe, and Feige's gonna pretty much elect you. I'm gonna be stuck with this podcast myself. I'll still call it Joe and Sean, just in hopes that you might come back. There's my fucking what if. Jesus Christ, what in the hell? That was amazing. I kept you- thinking of the Dane Cook joke. Uh, if you ever heard the one where he's like talking about when you have a dream and you're telling someone about it, and you're like, I was walking through the marshmallow or gum, like whatever, you were there. <laughs> like, that's when I was writing this, I was like, Oh, yeah, and then White Vision's there. Oh, yeah, and then Wanda's there. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Sean, the floor is yours. My other what if was what if uh, Peter Parker and Miles Morales teamed up? I'm not even kidding you. That's that was what it was. That's all it was. You said two lines. I know it was a long line. (laughs) This was not. I am so outside of my element here. This is horrible. (laughs) Like I'm dying. I did a Marvel reference that I combined an animated show with or animated movie with a live action movie. (laughs) God, this is this is this is like my. I am so like I. I don't know what I'm doing right now. That team up would be great. Let's be real. Okay, it would be. There we go. It would be fantastic. Um, the question is. Well, actually, this is a larger question. Do you think we're going to see a live-action Miles Morales in uh, No Way Home? Um, I don't know if it's No Way Home, but they want it. I mean, Donald Glover is um, is Night Nightwing, Night Nighthawk, Night. He's Mahershal Ali in the animated show or in the animated uh, movie, um, but that's what he becomes because he says like I've got a nephew. And so that right. was the whole thing of like that's Miles Morales. And so, you know, do they do they want Donald Glover back? Back and does Donald Glover want to be back? I assume they'd both be cool with that. And then it comes down to casting Miles Morales and you know casting that type of world and uh, or that uh, you know that family even. And I really really think that that's something that is needed. That's the main reason why I said that one is like, what if I want the live action miles Morales and just the live action, like all of that, just bring that to me because I think it would just be so good. Apparently there was originally a uh, cameo of his included in uh, no way home, not no way home, far from home. Um, And they realized they needed to get away from New York as quickly as possible. when they were heading to Europe for the majority of the film. Uh, (laughs) They needed to get rid of New York because New York looked exactly like Atlanta. <laughs> like, there, wasn't a bit, there wasn't a bit of New York. That was legit if you think of all that. I was just like, oh, guys. Why do I not remember his it name? Was, 
he tried to interrogate. Oh no! Oh, you remember seeing him? Yeah. Oh, I totally remember seeing him. I don't remember the name. Uncle oh, Aaron. Aaron Davis and the Prowler. Boom! Prowler! Damn it! Prowler! Why did I we're, think Nightwing? We're like Nightwing, Nightcrawler. You got it's, me going it's on that. The night. Nothing night. Nightcrawler um, is Jake Gyllenhaal. Are there any? Correct. Are there? Who we'll talk about shortly? Are there any characters that you're hoping they do more with in What If season two? I don't know what like this was because you know this was our fun little pitch of like do a what if and I I said to myself I'm like I mean I I don't know now I really don't I mean do we just keep on you know n- not to say rehashing because what if is oh is all rehashing but do we keep rehashing these original Avengers do we do a little bit more I mean it was kind of fun have you finished what if no okay never mind um but <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I forgot. <laughs> But you know it's interesting that they don't. Okay, um, I can't. This is uh, I'm in, I'm in a minefield right now. Walk but the line. I walk the it's, line. <laughs> it's it's more fun to sort of uh, like watch some more original of these Avengers characters happen. Um, you know, I'd love to see maybe a little bit more Guardian stuff. I mean, granted, we had that really really bad Thor episode, but that doesn't totally count. I think. I think you know, explore more of Nebula and Gamora. There was an episode of Gamora that was cut. And, you know, once you see that last episode, this isn't spoiling anything, you'll see that they kind of referenced that Gamora episode that was cut. And it's one of those things where I, I'd love to see where she goes, maybe a Nebula episode, maybe the two of them, like, you know, something like that. But I think that the like the Guardians is this great wealth of knowledge and they had an amazing episode in the second one, considered probably the best one where what if T'Challa was uh, um, Star-Lord and I, you know, I, I still would love to see more of the, uh, like that aspect. But really, for me, it's, you know, wh- will we see the Eternals in season two of What If? I mean, probably, maybe not. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where everything goes at this point. But uh, you know, I, I would love to see like less familiar characters involved. What do you make of that whole issue with the Gamora episode being cut and then kind of just being like, hopefully people won't recognize. <laughs> it's terrible when they literally show a scene of it, <laughs> like, in like, you know, in like the final episode where it's just like, you know, are people not going to notice that like, you know, Tony's got like, you know, a different suit. <laughs> it's just kind of like, I remember I saw it and, you know, there was a lot of, you know, I say this affectionately, of course, there was a lot of nerd culture that freaked the hell out. And I was just kind of like, I, I don't care. Gamora's involved now. That's cool. Like, it, it, it didn't bother me as much. But, like, I could see how people could be like, wait, no, you're not just going to, like, scoot this by. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, no, the, the, there was something going on over there, but who cares? Hey, Gamora, come here. <laughs> it's so surprising to me that they actually tried it that way. Like, usually Marvel will come out and just be like, hey, we had an issue. <laughs> you can finish this. Uh can I give you my other what if episode? I've, I've, will it make me feel more like shit? <laughs> I have no idea how it's going to make you feel, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, in 1963, Rodeo Cowboy Steve Rogers, played by Chris Evans, and ranch hand Bucky Barnes, Sebastian Stan, are hired by no. rancher Joe Aguirre, Randy no. Quaid, as sheep herders in Wyoming. No, 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 no. One night on Brokeback I Mountain. The, I know Randy Quaid in this. I know. <laughs> One night on Brokeback Mountain, Steve makes a drunken pass. Oh, you just said it. <laughs> that is eventually reciprocated. Though Bucky marries his longtime sweetheart, Alma, played by Michelle Williams, and Steve <laughs> marries a fellow rodeo rider, Anne Hathaway. The two men keep up their tortured and sporadic affair over the course of 20 years. I think that would be a great episode. It would be great, in all seriousness, if Disney Plus decided to drop a what if 
<laughs> Bucky ends. <laughs> we're gay. Like that, just like absolutely just beautiful, beautiful moment. And that would be just, like, it would be great. It really would. I'd, I'd, I'd vote for that. They, that. There's where it would never happen, but I love it anyway. I am tearing up about the idea. All right, let's dive into the news from the week. The first one, I think you're really pumped on. Um, Will, oh my God, I'm going to pronounce the last name wrong. Will Poulter. Poulter. To play Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. This was rumored over the weekend, and everyone was really quiet about it. Everyone, meaning James Gunn, who usually <laughs> takes to the internet right away and is like, no, you're wrong, or yes, you're right. But rumors uh, this weekend were swirling, and Deadline confirmed yesterday that Will, or two days ago, that Will Poulter will play Adam Warlock in the highly anticipated Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, James Gunn is returning to direct from the script. No further details are available about the plot. It comes out in May of 2023. Some comments from some of the actors involved have been that it's a very sad movie. Apparently, like, two of them die. Uh, I don't know if it's confirmed that it's two, but at least two of them are going to die, or two characters. Um, and the other piece with this is that Adam Warlock has been teased for quite a while. If you remember in Guardians 1, at the I think it was the post credit scene, when, is that where we met Howard the Duck? There was, in the collector's area, there was a... Um, a cocoon. It was like really or like living cocoon. But then in volume two, yeah, we we get the direct connection where they reference like her Adam or whatever, uh, which is believed to be Adam Warlock, and there's a more updated cocoon. I think this casting is phenomenal. Will Poulter is such a fun actor and takes on some really solid roles. So I know you were pumped about it. What were, what are your thoughts? Oh, I mean, like, Will Poulter's got the villain's face. And, you know, it's it's tough to say that to a person. I, you, you don't want to hear that. Um, I mean, he plays, like, a racist cop in Detroit. He plays an absolute monster in Detroit and, like, terrifying villain. And so, you know, in this, he's sort of playing that, you know, like destruction destruction type of villain this is like you know there's comparisons to like the reason he's called adam is the atom bomb almost i think in some ways and like other ways is that like he's the creation he's the beginning of all things and like that's the other like half of him so there you know there's like the alpha and omega like and just like his sort of presence um can be such an intimidation um i love also how this news was received because you don't think will poulter's like extremely like you know famous but the world did straight up stop for this and I think it's because Adam Warlock's a big deal, but it's also because I think people do like they see him and they're like, oh, yeah, we know this guy. We like this guy. This is going to be a good addition. He's got a good he's got a good face. I like to always say that about a night. He's got a good face for like a Guardians movie. Um, and I, I really think like the fanciful outcome here is, is going to be great. This was like my favorite news of the week. This was so cool. I will say I was surprised that he was cast only because all of the comic images of Adam Warlock are more of like the traditionally out of this world, handsome individual. Yeah. That's not to say that Will Poulter is not a handsome individual, but he's not a traditionally handsome individual. He's by not any a Ken means. doll. He's yeah. not a Ken doll. Um, but he is, he's a good actor. I mean, Maze Runner. And then what was the comedy with uh, Jennifer Aniston and we're the Millers. We're the Millers. He was yeah. great in that. I didn't care for that movie too much, but he was hilarious. I mean, he's a part of the meme where it's just like, you know, you guys got paid. You guys are getting paid. And like, so like he's got, he's a meme. <laughs> we'll pull his meme. We got a meme to play Adam Warlock. That's just so great. Yeah, like, that's wonderful. Awesome. Great news. And it's always exciting to see that uh, James Gunn gets the guy that he wants. I mean, James Gunn does really well with anyone that he casts in these roles. Like, he can take the weirdest character and has and make something of them. So when he, when he gets a character like Adam Warlock, who is 
has long been expected to be introduced in the MCU um, and seems excited about it based on his tweet where he was like, he said something like, I, th- I usually take here to uh, deny rumors or whatever. And he was like, yeah, we'll pull just playing them. <laughs> um, I'm excited. We'll see what happens. That's good. We also have other Marvel news, and this is about mm-hmm. Disney Plus. So in this addition, is your happy news right here. It is. In addition to 103 already announced Marvel uh, Disney Plus series, um, <laughs> Agatha Harkness is officially getting – well, not officially. They're in early development on an Agatha Harkness miniseries with Catherine Hahn returning. Catherine Hahn has signed an overall deal with Marvel to reprise the character in multiple – ways whether that's movies or tv shows i think we'll be seeing her in dr strange and the multiverse of madness that is one of my predictions she will also be in my uh forthcoming what if uh episode that i will be selling to marvel when we finish this recording you genuinely should i genuinely should um and the other rumors are that we're getting a monica rambo centric series as well as potentially a 10 ring series led by uh shang chi's sister well, that that is essential. I do like that because that was a very cool post credit scene. Um, so, um, who is Monica Rambo? Monica Rambo was from WandaVision. She was played by Tayana Paris, and will be in the uh, Marvels next, the Captain Marvel sequel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, she's going to like space and all of that, based on how that one ended. Absolutely. So she's kind of teaming up with Shield, and well, I'm, who knows what they're doing with that? She'll probably be in the Secret Secret Wars or Secret Invasion, whichever one they're Secret- making. Is- are they making both of them? They're making one a series, and I think the other one is rumored to be the backbone of a future movie. What are you doing? There was a hair in my microphone because when we started to get into talks about whether or not there's going to be Secret Evasion and Secret Wars, I started to focus on the hair. <laughs> um, so I, as, <laughs> as you mentioned, I'm very excited about the Agatha uh, casting. Agatha is a character in, or the Agatha news, I should say. The Agatha character is one that is very uh, influential in the comics and uh, branches out into interactions with a number of different big players within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So there's a lot they can do with her, and I feel like they just kind of scraped the surface with how they introduced her in WandaVision. Catherine Hahn obviously is delightful. Uh, so anytime we get to see more of her, I'm excited. I, I'm wondering. I guess we'll know more, but I want to know in, uh, we'll know more in the future. I should say. I want to know where they're going to place these series because that will tell us a lot about what the actual focus of them could be. Yeah, that that's where I have to like you know make sure my that's where my excitement gets tempered for a little bit just to make sure where are these going. Where is the setting of these? I really, really want to be excited for these. But when I heard, <laughs> when I, yeah, exactly, when I heard the news, I did roll my eyes a little bit because you know, like you said, 103 Disney Plus series, like you know, probably even more at this point. There'll be like eight more announced after we're done here, and it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, do we like? And I don't get me wrong, absolutely adore Catherine Hahn and loved her character. Is this truly? truly needed like where does this connect and where is all the like aspects of this now if this is a prequel kind of situation then i would love to see where how she gets to where she is here how she gets to wandavision sounds fun if this is some sort of bridge to get from wandavision to the multiverse of madness which 
I can see that being what this is like her trying to escape from her prison in Westview and uh, having to like try to figure out how to get there. Um, like I, cause there's gonna, there's gonna have to be some sort of connection there. I, I mean, I believe it's that, or she just shows up. I don't know. Like, but I, I mean, mean, I'm making such a face as you're saying that. And that's very rude of me, but I mean, there's not a number one. No one's going to care about that by the time this series comes around. Right. Because multiverse of madness comes out in March and then we're going to dive right into all the future MCU MCU movies with Black Panther and I, Mar- is that what you're Multiverse March? comes out in March. What are they going to do all this shit? Like, are they doing it now? Oh, what do you mean? What are they doing? Like, like that's, that's so soon. March twenty fifth. That's very soon. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think this is all stuff in the future, and maybe like it's not even. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it's just a, she has a larger role in what's going to happen in the future because she's. I mean, they've already set Wanda up to be such a major player. How many big villains are we having then, though? Twenty four. Exactly. What? <laughs> Twenty four. <laughs> like, this this is the problem. Is I just need to watch the Marvel things. I can't speculate anymore because I get stressed out because <laughs> like I don't know how this all fits and it's gonna fit in Feige. We trust, but like God, like how's it gonna fit? <laughs> I am excited for it. I should just be excited. That's the kind of person I should be. But I just I don't know for some reason my head gets smushed when this happens. Smushed. <laughs> I have been encouraging you to be that type of person for quite a while when it comes to Marvel. I know. I just got to chill with it. I just got to chill. All right. Well, speaking of chilling, Anthony Hopkins has been chilling since his Oscar win for The Father, and he has now joined Florian Zeller's The Son. Um, The Son, of course, is Florian Zeller's next play adaptation, which is not connected to the story of The Father, just so you know. Um, but this will star, this is the one I'm really excited about. Like, this is my Avengers. <laughs> um, but this is going to star Hugh Jackman, Laura Dern, Vanessa Kirby. Like, I, I'm going to need a few moments. Um, where Hugh Jackman and Laura Dern are divorced parents. Kirby is the partner to Jackman, the new young partner. Um, their teenage son, Nicholas, shows up with Dern. And something's going on with him. I don't really know. I don't know much of the story. Um, but Hugh Jackman is the best. And uh, apparently Anthony Hopkins will be there. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sorry. For those listening, I've been laughing this whole time he's describing it. Because I just imagine that like Anthony Hopkins now wants to play a son. And so he has a backwards baseball cap. <laughs> he's got a skateboard. How do you do, like, fellow kids? <laughs> Um, we should mention that they did cast Zen McGrath as the son, <laughs> um, the, the titular son. And Zen McGrath has been in a few things, Aloft being one of them, the movie from 2014. Uh, and then not too much else. So he seems like he is pretty much a newer actor. Um, he was on the series The Dig or Dig on USA. Which I also know nothing about. So I'm very excited about this movie. I don't like the casting of Anthony Hopkins. Um, who, who is he playing? Like he's I, playing the grandfather, probably. I don't. The house. I don't know. Um, <laughs> he is. The reason I don't like it is because I feel like a lot of people already feel like already think it's going to be connected to the father, mm-hmm. and just adding him into the cast already creates a connection that's going to be hard to 
speak away. So I, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with us. There, there's a chance because all the all the other casting happened a very long time ago. There's a chance he's like you know like a hot dog stand vendor for two seconds or something. Like there, there's a chance like his role is like like five minutes and he, maybe Florian's just like I, I want Anthony Hopkins again because he's awesome and because all of the casting was a very very long time ago like several several months ago. So this seems like a quick fit in like it's going to be something that's not going to be huge. Uh, Hopkins will win an Oscar for it and. Yeah, we'll go from there. Um, can we, once again, we talk about this every time that we talk about a new addition to this cast. This cast is fire. It's really good. <laughs> it's I'm really good. I'm so excited for this movie. I love that entire cast. Anyway, uh, directed David Gordon Green uh, has said fuck it to Halloween movies and is jumping into a new movie about the building of Disneyland, which will be going straight to Disney+. Plus. This was reported by Deadline. Uh, the script will be written by, get ready for the butchering of a name, Evan Spiliotopoulos. Oh, it's pretty good. Who wrote the live action 2017 Beauty and the Beast, as well as some of the other Disney films. I believe one of them was Treasure Planet. I might be making that up. The film is expected to explore the journey of the late Walt Disney to build the park, which opened in Anaheim in 1955, uh, and discuss the inspirations for the design to the construction itself. So Disney is producing a movie about the making of Disney. Mm-hmm. That would almost be as crazy as uh, Queen producing Bohemian Rhapsody. Disney also oh, produced Saving Mr. Banks. Did and... they also produce Saving Mr. Banks? I mean, it, it was it was made out of cotton candy, so of course they did. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm into it. I mean, whatever. Let's do it. David Gordon Green's it's an like, interesting choice. Like David Gordon Green is a weird one because it's just like you know, yeah, he didn't just do horror movies. You know, he didn't do he, he did Vice Principals as well, which. That's not that close to Disneyland either. (laughs) So, you know, he's got this very interesting way about him where, uh, you know, I I love the idea of him constantly trying to be versatile. I mean, you know, hey, he jumped from comedy to horror. He could jump from horror to whatever this is, um, drama, I guess, or schmaltzy bullshit i don't know but like i'm I, i'm i'm being cynical right now because it's 8 30 um but uh like i i i think it's, this this could be a fun little movie it could be a fascinating way to look at this but i i don't know for some reason when disney is producing disney it, like a movie about disney it just it always bugs me it's like when a biopic like well no elton john did that with rocket man and he was awesome so never mind it's like Madonna's upcoming uh, biopic. It's like starring like... Madonna, written by Madonna, directed by Madonna. Madonna, um, Madonna. He also did Pineapple Express, which I didn't realize. I feel like I knew that, but I don't, maybe not. I love that movie. Um, I, will, I will say this. It is, uh, this movie is not listed on IMDb, mm. um, which is interesting because they're usually Just... ahead, of, ahead of the curve with that. Even um, rumors they put on there. Absolutely. Um, but he is in post-production for Halloween Ends, which is supposed to come out next year, pandemic pending. Uh, the Exorcist, I forgot that he's directing the new take on The Exorcist. And he is also directing, um, I, it says TV series. I'm assuming that it's just a couple episodes, but the Hellraiser TV series. So he's staying grounded in horror, uh, but... Diving into Disneyland is what he's staying grounded in the rehashing of horror. It's such a weird That's niche a he's in. <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I listen, I love any exploration of Disney because I'm a Disney person. Um, mm-hmm. 
going down in November, by the way. So we have to talk about our schedule. But uh, yeah, very excited about uh, what I don't, it, there's so much that went into the creation of the parks and the company that they they can do this. They can make an, a two hour film seem interesting about the business of building a theme park. Um, so we'll see what happens. But Michael Myers shows up and stabs Mickey Mouse. And... I, was gonna say, I hope this is like an intrigue where it's just like people just start killing each other. I want I listen. I want like a Willy's Wonderland Disney version so bad. Oh, well. Uh, Oh my God! Yes, <laughs> I, I got to stop messaging. Uh, what's his name from Willy's Wonderland? Uh, Geo Parsons, because I'm always like, "Hey, have you thought about this?" Um, <laughs> it's not true. I haven't done that in a while. You demand a writing credit. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Um, all right. Speaking of uh, demanding things, Christopher Nolan's next movie is Oppenheimer, which is telling the story of the scientist, one of the scientists credited with being the uh, a father of the uh, atomic bomb. Cillian Murphy, Ch- Killian, Cillian. Okay, Killian. so Boston Celtics, but if it was pronounced right, it's Boston Celtics. So Killian Murphy. That's how I remember it. Killian Murphy, that's a good way to remember it. Uh, will star and be playing Oppenheimer. The script is being written by Nolan because he likes himself, uh, and is based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning book *American Prometheus: The Triumph and Tragedy of J. Robert Oppenheimer*. This reminds me of if you ever listen to. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you ever listen to Elvis Duran in the morning when they do phone taps, they have a character that's like I'm Robert Oppenheimer or something like something like that. Um, that's what I thought of right away. So that's how small my brain is. Uh, the <laughs> film is being marketed as an IMAX shot project um, and is going to save cinema. No, I'm kidding. Um, well, I was going to say an IMAX shot project. Wow, like yeah. that's something you know it's big for them. For a, should um for should a it be? Biopic, well, no, should it be seen in theaters? Uh, no. Oh um, no. Let's put it. Let's put it on Netflix. It's if going he signs a deal with Netflix, I will shit a brick. <laughs> it's going straight to Tubi. Um, <laughs> uh, this will. This is aiming for release on July twenty first, twenty twenty three. Um, cool. Killian Murphy is a good actor. I enjoy him. I think he is. He's flown under the radar for years. He's been obviously in a lot of things, but he's solidly in a lot of things. Um, I am not totally thrilled with the idea of this movie because I don't know that I'm thrilled with Christopher Nolan. I posted a couple days ago that I think he's overrated. Um, and that was just a random thought, but I really do think he is. I don't really care for him anymore. I, I, um, throughout the tenant debacle and then him being an asshole about theaters during the pandemic, I was like very, very low on uh, Christopher Nolan. I still pretty much am, but then I do have to remember like some of the movies this guy did, which are, they're really good. <laughs> like, they're really good movies. And so I'm, I'm going to try to remember that while like this movie is getting made while we watch the trailer for this. We, we had a situation where like, I just remember like, you know, when tenant came out and everyone was just like greatest movie of all time. And I'm like, Okay, let's all just give it like a couple of months because <laughs> it really wasn't good. <laughs> just come on. Like this was not a great movie. It was a pretty solid mess. Um, 
other than that, though, he does make some pretty solid movies. So I'm trying to remember the happy times. Um, but I am really <laughs> excited. I am really excited for Killian Murphy, mainly because like in Nolan films, he always has like only a couple of lines in That's each cool. one. And so to have him be at the forefront, it's kind of this nice moment because he's got to watch like these other people either become movie stars or just movie stars sort of take the lead instead of him. And he would have been great in a lot of those lead roles. And it would have been cool to see him in those. So um, I really like, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see this. Um, a biopic for Nolan is interesting. I don't believe he's ever done that. So it's like, okay, cool. He's doing something different. I hope he doesn't experiment with time like an asshole because when he does that, it drives me insane. Like, one of the things is Dunkirk could be a great movie if it wasn't like, you know, like, ooh, actually, Dunkirk's all backwards here. And it's like, no, dude, like, just tell the story linear. It's a war movie. Be respectful. <laughs> that was the one that got me. Like, but I, I don't know. I, I am excited for this. I'm looking forward to it. The thing that drives me nuts is he is Michael Bay in disguise. He goes for these big budget, like, blockbusters that are going to have the explosions and the wild theories and all this shit going to them uh, going into them and i think that's what probably attracted him to this idea is because number one the atomic bomb is such a uh turning point in history the use of the the atomic bomb not only the creation the use of the atomic bomb so i'm interested to see where they go with that um i i just uh, yeah no i i i I share the sigh i do (laughs) he needs some rehabilitation when it comes to his public image Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know well, that's—I mean, think about it. He always makes someone in his public image, like the main character. I mean, you look at Pattinson and DiCaprio; they're made to be looking like Nolans and everything. And I don't know, something like this may try to like humble a different like look to that. I, I, I really do hope something like this. You know, I, I don't know if humble is the right word, but maybe takes him down from like you know, the clouds of his like Hosanna on high image that he sometimes has of himself. And, you know, he's going to be like, all right, I'm going to make a guy like, you know, because he always has like the main character reflects on himself. And right now this main character is a guy that creates and he's creating something that actually does a disservice to the public. Is this like a Nolan reflection that we're ready for? Is this an Nolan reflection that he's thinking of? Like that it's yeah, no, I'm going galaxy brain a little bit and maybe too much so that it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense. <laughs> it, okay, I, I didn't know if it was, I was very it's worried. Wrong. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it might be, it really might be. <laughs> I'm very off. I, I, I have to mention this comment that we just got in the comments. We're getting some uh, comments around uh, Christopher Nolan and Tenet and interstellar and, Kendrick just asked, do you guys think Batman Begins or Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises is better? I mean, I know I'm going to say, oh, wait, Dark Knight Rises? Rises. Oh, Batman not, Begins. Not the Dark Knight. Batman Begins. Okay. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was Dark Knight. Dark Knight is still the best of them. Batman Begins. Dark Knight Rises, I don't shit on it as much as other people do. I will say that. I still, I, I don't, I, I think it gets a little bit of an unfair treatment. It's a bonkers movie with some flaws, but it's still pretty damn good. Do you know what I want to see with Christopher Nolan going back to him? I want a studio to humble him. I want them to say like, oh, you want to do this movie? Okay, here's what we want you to do instead. You're going to do a Peppa Pig live action movie. And when you deliver on that, we'll let you do whatever you want. Like he, he doesn't have... The track record. I mean, like he had, mm, he does. He does. <laughs> but I mean, Tenet was a flop. Yeah. 
lot of issues around that, right? Pandemic and releasing and all that. But people do not like Tenet. And Tenet was a fucked up movie. There's a line in the movie that describes this. I say this every time. You don't have to understand it. That's Tenet. Um, nobody understood it. Um, I, I just feel like he 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 delivered a solid 2.5 films in Batman. Did yeah. really well with Interstellar, obviously. Inception. Inception's my one of my all-time favorites. I will give him that. Yeah. But I don't know. I Dunkirk's messy. Um it I think it's very good, but it's very messy. Um and uh, you know, then you have then you have stuff like like you know, a loser like me is gonna just absolutely love insomnia, of course. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna be the one guy that's just like insomnia's great, man. <laughs> but and I gotta say the prestige wasn't even one of my favorites. I did not love the prestige as much as other people like it. Same. Same. Um, I'm trying to look real quick at some of the other stuff that he's directed that we may have forgotten about. Uh, Memento before Insomnia, of course. Oh, Memento, uh, yeah. Pretty much it. All right. Let's dive into our last story of the week, uh, which this one actually has me really excited. Um, so <laughs> You have I to look- actually go slow. You have to explain this to me because I read it and I don't understand it. Jake Gyllenhaal is going to play a superhero in a movie by Extraction Sam Hargrave, okay. the director. They, they make the movie. Oh, I thought... Never mind. Okay, I thought it was that it was a Sam Hargrave biopic, and I didn't know who Sam Hargrave was. Okay, so... <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Jesus Christ. So the movie, is, the, the movie is called Profit. It is an image comic. This is a take on that. Jill uh, Hall will portray a man with super, superhuman strength as a result of scientific experiments during World War II. They're hoping, of course, for a new franchise. Um, Mark Guggenheim, who has written uh, Arrow and uh, the Legends, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, is writing this movie. I'm all for Jake Gyllenhaal in a role like this. I think I just love him as an actor. So I'm like, do it up. Um, and I'm, I don't know much about this comic. So without knowing the details of it, I love the casting. <laughs> well, when you have like, you know, some sort of like superhero casting or you're playing a superhero, there's always just some sort of conflict and like you're have an internal struggle between the good and the evil and whether or not you're doing the proper justice or not. And, you know, Gyllenhaal does inner conflicts like, the best out of anybody. And I think that could be exactly what he does here. He could show quite a bit of an expressive like motion. I too know nothing about this. As you saw by me, not knowing, I thought this was about uh, the director. I thought this movie was about the director of extraction, getting superpowers. So um, I'm, I'm I'm off a little bit, but, um, but now that I know that he's a superhero, um, it does sound like a great casting. I love it. Do you think he did inner conflict really well in the guilty? When yes. He, when he was like this, hold on, hold on one second. What are you talking about? I need to know more. Hold on. What are you talking about? Excuse me. You're insane. <laughs> no, no. Did you get Shut the snakes up. out? Tell them. Tell get the them. bridge. <laughs> you need to make sure the bridge is there. Did you get the bridge. Get off the bridge. Get off the bridge. Wait, what did you just say? Who? Where is he? Oh, oh my. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh no. I'm the guilty. 
How much time's left in the movie? Five minutes? Oh, by the way, I killed that kid last week or last year. Guilty. I want to. I want to plead guilty tomorrow. Tomorrow. Thank God this happened tomorrow. Today for tomorrow. Uh, the guilty's okay. <laughs> you know, you know, when you come, oh, when it comes down to it, it's like a, it's an okay movie. You know. <laughs> I'm mad I didn't have enough blue and red lights for that because, like, you know, let's just drive that. No, what was my the greatest line of all time? Broken people help broken people. You loved that line. (laughs) I greatest line in movie history, like, because I didn't know what the theme was. I didn't know what it meant. When are we getting the Halle Berry Jake Gyllenhaal crossover? (laughs) So she did. Yeah, I remember this. The call. The call. Yes. Oh, that's what it was. (laughs) <laughs> just either one on the other end <laughs> anyway let's take a break hey are you a smallville fan do we have the podcast for you october 16th 2021 marks 20 years since the show premiered and we are launching the ultimate recap podcast to celebrate from guy at the movies and darren's movie reviews comes the blur blast recapping an episode of Smallville each week right from the very beginning. So be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and follow at the Blur Blast on Instagram and Twitter. And we're back. (laughs) All right, let's dive into our rants and raves for the week. Uh, Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I am going to happily, did I write it down here? You wrote yours. Yeah. This is a very important thing to cover. So Yeah, so should I do mine last then? Or? Yeah, let's do yours last because mine's yeah. um, a little fiery. Um, here's what I want to talk about. So some of you may have uh, learned recently, and this is a rant, by the way. Some of you may have learned and maybe even watched and maybe even enjoyed the new Netflix special from Dave Chappelle called The Closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Chappelle did a... Uh, once again, another stand-up. He has returned to the stage the past couple of years after a long hiatus. Uh, he also was in A Star is Born. Actually, really good in A Star is Born, I thought. Um, and I tend to like Chappelle because Chappelle is... I mean, he's a uh, hes a comedian that shocks, right? Like, that's what he does. Um, what I don't really care for is kind of where he went with the direction of the closer, especially when he was talking about um, trans individuals. He kind of said, he went into this whole thing about cancellation and cancel culture. He at one point defended the baby in a way, which really pissed me off. The baby is the one that like said like something about HIV and AIDS and putting your hands up at a concert and all. I don't know, whatever. But he more specifically in the closer, he talked about um, understanding where JK Rowling was coming from. Uh, JK Rowling has been labeled a turf. A turf is a. Uh, term that has been used for trans exclusionary radical feminist. So it's essentially what he was doing in this uh, in his standup was saying that she's right in saying that gender is um, a fact. And he he said that she said or that the trans community got mad as shit. They started calling her a turf. I didn't even know what the fuck that was, but I know that trans people make up words to win arguments. This is a real thing. This is a group of women that hate transgender women, the transgender woman. They don't hate transgender women, but they look at trans women the way that blacks might look at blackface. It offends them like, oh, this bitch is doing an impression of me. He went on and got a little bit more 
specific um, and basically was just saying that like, you know, we all came out of our, we all came out of a woman and went a little too, too hard in an uninformed fashion. Listen, comedy is one thing and I'm, I'm fine with shock jocks and all that stuff. I, it's, it's what comedy was built on, right? Whether that is stereotypical jokes based on stereotypes and all that, um, or trying to push the envelope or whatever. What really frustrates me more is Netflix's Netflix's response. So this was a special on Netflix. Netflix has obviously um, and uh, very well known put themselves out there as being a place for an inclusion for inclusion and really standing behind Black Lives Matter, the LGBTQ plus community, um, as well as other communities, and really trying to enforce uh, or uh, promote, I should say, inclusion. Uh, so for them to stand behind this and say, you know, well, you know, some of our uh, some of our viewers and some of our subscribers really like this, and you know, this is uh, good. Uh, this is good for the platform and all that shit. Really bothered me because it is not living up to the ideals of um, what you are trying to put out there and promote yourselves as, and what you're trying to be known as. This is this undercuts all of that, and I think it's going to raise questions moving forward anytime uh, they try to do anything that is in the inclusive arena. We talked about this a little bit offline. Netflix should have come out quite honestly and said, we understand, we get it. Um, we may have made a mistake, but we stand by artistic integrity or something like that. They took such a defensive stance here. And then of course, some of the stuff that happened afterwards where there were trans employees that were standing up against what was going on. I think there were three trans employees that were suspended um, for trying to break into a private meeting, but it came out today that at least one of them was invited and given the link by the director of whoever was involved in the meeting um, because they were supposed to be there. So it was a knee-jerk reaction, obviously, and Netflix is just being shitty when it comes to it. Um, but now the news is that they're, the trans employees of Netflix are going to strike, are going to walk, um, which good for them. Put it out there. I, it is such an interesting failure for a company that promotes itself and tries to pride itself on being so advanced and inclusive to not only allowing this on their platform is one thing, but publicly standing behind it in such a tone deaf manner is another. And that's what really frustrates me. Uh, so that's, that's my rant. It's just, it's stupid. It's, it really frustrates me with the company. And it just comes down to it. It's like no one's saying delete Dave Chappelle. No one's saying fire him into the sun. His comments were absolutely wrong. He was trying to do some sort of shock comedy that didn't work. It's just one of those things where you have to like sort of say something that, you know, I mean, it it, it, it was cowardly the way they said that comment. I mean, because it didn't really take any sort of stance. I mean, you know, obviously taking a stance of like, you know, fuck your feelings, uh, long live Chappelle is not the best uh, stance either. But, you know, just something that like, you know, actually like says like, hey, listen, artistic, artistic integrity is like you, what you said was like dead on perfect. Like, you know, artistic integrity. But however, we do understand that this is an issue here. And, you know, like it could be like we could make this an educational moment instead of like stirring a divide. Um, so it's, it's also just very cheap humor. I mean, like, it's, oh, yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah. Like the actual jokes were not good like at all. Yeah. Like when you are a, um, a comedian of a certain age, your, your comedy has to advance and otherwise you're, you're just playing on borrowed time. And that's what I think he's doing. He also had a joke about 
um, a approaching a, a lesbian woman who he didn't know was a lesbian and then telling her girlfriend uh, or at least saying that he was going to punch the t- or beat the toxic masculinity out of her. Like it just, I, I don't know who he's pandering to with these comments, but it's just stupid at this point. Like we are, we're beyond those types of jokes. Um, and they just seem kind of violent. <laughs> at the end of yeah. it and especially standing behind jk rowling of all people who like has if you look at shit she said she has said some pretty nasty things um and like really drawn a line she is a very controversial character so i don't know if that's the one if you're going to attack cancel culture that you want to stand yeah. behind <laughs> but it is it is what it is Okay, so I'm also oh. going to talk about <laughs> I'm going to talk about a very pleasant thing as well. Um, this is the uh, I just recently learned that you can uh, the, the the problem here is that I'm learning about this still as we go, and that I don't know much about this, and that's a problem. Like you're probably not going to know a lot about this either when I say it, which is just really annoying. But these are the uh, IATSE workers, and IATSE stands for International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. That sounds like people that are just putting up like you know like stage and like you know the like stuff on Broadway basically and it's not even close um what do they do um i'll say this kind of every single odd job you can imagine on every movie set and tv set um they you know they drive the trucks they're setting up all the crazy settings uh, situations they're working from you know literally not even a cliche dusk till dawn um several days in a row um they are workers right now that basically keep any sort of television program and any sort of movie program running, all right? Any sort of movie shoot and television shoot running. They really do. They are essential. And they have no rights. And there have been stories, if you think about it. Go into uh, support IATSE on Twitter and look up some of these stories. There are uh, workers that have come in the day after a miscarriage. There have been people that collapse and pretty much almost die or, you know, do actually die like in an accident, like on a set because they're exhausted from this situation. Um, This is some of the most uh, like really like these are some of the most important people on the set and they're treated like shit. And here's where like the rant really comes in. First of all, that's all bad. There it is. Thankfully, now they're going on strike and hopefully there can be a resolution soon. Because here's the thing. If there is no resolution, movies and TV do not get made. You know what? We all went nuts when the writer's strike happened about like 10 years ago. We all said seven, oh. right? Was it like it was? Yeah, it was 2007. Yeah, because I was just in college. Yeah, um, we all went nuts when the writer strike happened. Like, oh, the writer strike happened. Everybody, we got to stop the writer strike. What are we gonna do about the writer strike and stuff like that? And nobody gives a shit about this one. And I get it because this isn't as sexy as writer strikes, or this isn't as uh, sexy as producers or directors or actors. And so I get that this isn't like the thing. And also, you can't really put a like a complete image on this because these people are doing so much. But it is absolutely nuts that this is not getting more press and this will like shut down things. And you know what? It should until they get the respect they deserve, you know, the payment they deserve, the respect they deserve, the rights they deserve, Um, because it like really is, you know, like a huge problem. And this is like the big part of my rant, I think, is that there are several, um, you know, I just listened to her uh, interview from Martha Plimpton uh, about mass where she talked about Yahtzee. Um, Hannah Einbinder from Hacks talked about Yahtzee. I'm sure there are several other uh, actors and actresses, but I haven't been hearing that much. And that means that there's a lot of people with a lot of star power that aren't saying shit. 
I don't know why they aren't. It could be because maybe they didn't know about this like I barely did. All right. But it seems a little bit unbelievable that I don't see many celebrities endorsing this kind of thing. Now, maybe this is because like they are a part of production companies and they don't want to shell out the money or they like can't say anything because of an agreement or some sort of situation. I truly don't know. All I know is that this deserves the press that a writer's strike got. And it's something that really deserves like, you know, like these workers deserve the respect and they deserve like the notoriety uh, for this whole situation. And I, I truly hope the uh, strike could end in, or, uh, in a solid compromise where they get what they deserve without a doubt. Aren't we days away from a potential strike? Like it's, it's not like, I think it's Monday or either this yeah. Monday or I thought it was last Monday. Yeah. It's coming. I mean, it's, potentially going to happen soon if it's going to happen. Oh, here it is. Yeah, Nation will uh, launch nationwide strike on Monday unless deal is reached in next few days. Yep. That was nine hours ago from deadline. So, yeah, so they have not stri- uh, striked yet, but uh, wow. Um, so that, I mean, you know, that's that's it. Like, that, <laughs> if that happens, things get shut down. And you know what I'll say? Like, not that, like, the most important thing is these workers' rights, but when the writer's strike did happen, like that ruined movies that ruined tv series like let's face it i mean lost i don't know if they knew how they were going to end that anyway but that show went belly up kind of like or became a mess because of the writer's strike wolverine became a mess because of the writer's strike there were so many different things those are the two i remember the most prominently because they just got cut in half i think even uh like the office the office landed on its feet it was season three or season four the office got cut they ended up having to eliminate a number of season or a number of episodes mm-hmm. which resulted in them nixing storylines condensing storylines pushing storylines and that's why if you remember there's one season of the office where like i think the first couple of episodes are an hour long um uh, yeah and that's why because nbc was like well let's order you know hour long episodes uh so that's that's why that all happened it's it's sad. I mean, it's it's people. Uh, I love when you listen to podcasts or you read interviews with uh, some of the film talent that always talk about the people behind the scenes, and that's who we're talking about right now. Like, they need to be compensated appropriately. They need the 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 care. Not even. I was going to say special care, which is incorrect. They need care. Any <laughs> any care. I listened to Andy Greenwald on the, the Watch podcast, which is one I love, and he uh, ran a show. He was a showrunner um, on Briar Patch, and he said like you know, they did everything. They carried like stuff through the desert. They like you know like he felt he was like this is wrong. <laughs> like he was, and he was the guy in right. charge, and he knew that this wasn't right. Like oh god, it's insane, absolutely insane. Um, a little bit of breaking news before we get into what's releasing this week. Not major, but if you remember, a couple weeks ago there was a report in the Hollywood Reporter that Letitia Wright, who plays Shuri in uh, Black Panther 2, was expressing anti-vaccination views on the set of Black Panther 2 and was creating some challenges. Um, she took to Instagram tonight oh, shit. and said the following, God bless you all. It saddens me to have to address the reports published by the Hollywood Reporter on October 6, 2021. The report spoke about my conduct on the set of Black Panther 2. I honestly assert that this was completely untrue. Anyone who knows me or has worked with me knows that I work incredibly hard at my craft and my main focus is always to do work that's impactful and inspiring. That has been and will continue to be my only focus. She goes on to quote Isaiah 54, 17 uh, and also posted a image of that, which says weapons made to attack you won't be successful words spoken against you won't hurt at all. So 
there's that. Yeah. That was did she didn't address the <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. She she didn't even come close to addressing what, what the Hollywood I mean, reporter said. <laughs> she doesn't really say what was untrue. She kind of just says it it's untrue. <laughs> um but oh god. I don't know. Let's talk about what's coming out this week. And not as much as in the previous weekends, but we do have some big hitters. Um, Halloween Kills hits theaters in Peacock. The Last Duel hits theaters. Held for Ransom hits theaters in digital. Needle in a Time Stack, select theaters and on demand. And then The Velvet Underground is on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, any of those excite you? Uh, well, definitely Last Duel. Definitely Halloween Kills. And maybe, uh, I don't know, the music documentaries I go back and forth on. I but struggle Velvet- with them. Yeah, Velvet Underground. I don't know anything about that band, so probably not, but yeah. maybe. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, announcements. Do you have anything? Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to be on uh, the silver screen. We're doing yeah. the favorite movies of every genre. Uh, <laughs> we started it last time. It didn't go well, um, but it's no, hard. it went fine. It's fun. Uh, it's really hard, though. It's like kind of impossible, but uh, we're going to continue that. And uh, so should be good. That's uh, 6 o'clock uh, on Hudson River Radio. Hudson River Radio. You're so fancy. Um, uh, This weekend, a couple of things. October 16th, which is Saturday, is DC Fandom starting at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'll be live streaming all day from 12.30 p.m. Eastern on. Uh, But the other big news for that day is that we, uh, we being Darren's movie reviews and myself, will be launching the Blur Blast, which is our weekly recap podcast of Smallville. Uh, the 20th anniversary of the debut of Smallville is upon us. Uh, so this will be the debut of the podcast. We are having a lot of fun planning it, getting things going, uh, diving back into a show that we both very much love. If you've ever seen Darren on a live stream, you've seen the entire series behind him. Uh, I just ordered the Blu-ray series to accompany my DVD series, uh, and I've been watching it on Hulu. So Check it out if you're a big fan of Smallville. Tune in on Saturday, and then episodes will be out every week after that. Uh, but we are we're excited to launch that. So it's been a long time coming, but here we are. Um, Sean, will you be around this weekend for uh, DC Fandom at all? I've made the promise of trying to poke my head in, but uh, at this point, it's, you know... It's, God loves Sam. She wants to do autumnal <laughs> activities, and uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do autumnal activities. And during those autumnal activities, I'm gonna try to poke my head in to see the last duel. Um, and then also, I have to figure out when both those would work. And then I think we're going to a brewery as well. So I don't I don't know how I'm gonna fit. Yeah, this is what like and uh, you know last weekend like uh, I also made myself busy even though she wasn't here so i can't even blame her this is my this is what i do i just like i i don't even make plans they happen i guess people like me or something it doesn't make any sense (laughs) i don't understand i don't understand (laughs) why are you inviting me i always say i just want people to understand that i want to be involved but don't necessarily expect that i'm going to show up there it Um, is Um, anyway, that is the podcast for this week. That was quite a long one, Sean. Well, when we were at one, one hour and we were going to start news, I was like, oh, it's going to go well. <laughs> hey, it went very well. It uh, did. Sean, we'll talk soon. Later. Later. You said later and I haven't even been ready to hit the thing, but we're going to hit it now. Bye. As always, thanks for listening. You can follow both Joe and Sean on Instagram at Guy at the Movies and Math Teacher Movies. New episodes of the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean are available every Wednesday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Also, be on the lookout for special spoiler pods where we dive deep into the latest film releases. If you like what you hear, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. See you next time.